Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. As I was sitting on the toilet, the stroke happened. All of a sudden, my arm curled up into a fetal position. My leg collapsed. I fell off the toilet, and that was it. It was really stunning. And I sort of knew I was conscious the whole time. I sort of knew I'm having a stroke. It was really remarkable. Our daughter was still at home getting ready for school. She took the bus. And so I, I told her at first to call her dad and tell him to come back home that I really was pretty sick. And then after I fell off the toilet, she heard me luckily, but she didn't see me because the door was closed. I was able to tell her to call 911. The ambulance came and about the same time that my husband got home. So I was able to get help within about 20 minutes or so. I was in an acute rehab unit getting intense physical and occupational therapy for another two weeks, I believe, until I was able to walk. I was in a wheelchair pretty much until the time I got home. I really worked hard to, to be able to use a walker to come home. I was a little nervous just because all of a sudden to go back to that busy, busy lifestyle. Of course, my business was on hold, but two teenagers that are busy with activities and school and pets and a husband and, and I wanted to go home desperately, but I was a little nervous, yeah. Just seeing my what my husband went through taking care of me and taking care of our children and working full-time, the caregivers are often looked over. And in some ways, I think they have it harder than the stroke victims. There's just so much to balance and so much a shift from, from being a spouse or a significant other to all of a sudden being a caregiver. There's a really big difference the gist of what I'm trying to say is, is for the caregivers to take care of themselves as well. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Hemorrhagic strokes occur in about 15% of all UK stroke cases, Sometimes surgery is needed to relieve pressure on the brain or to drain away any remaining blood. Occasionally, the bleeding stops on its own and the brain is able to reabsorb the blood without the need for surgery. In this episode, we'll hear from Denise Hawkins from Cheyenne, Wyoming, who suffered a stroke at the age of 42. Life was very busy before my stroke. I had my own web design and graphic business that I ran from my just a sole proprietorship I ran from home. And I had two busy kids in high school, a husband, <laughs> and I was also very active physically, too. I did a lot of road biking and touring, so I, I averaged probably 100, 100 miles a week of riding. And so, yeah, it was just, just a busy time of life. It was good. I really liked who I was at that time. I liked being active and having my own business. It was, it was a good time. 
since I was just working on my own, I only took on as many projects as I could handle. I mean, it was stressful at times as any work situation might be, but it wasn't overly stressful. So it was good. The night before my stroke, actually, I, I kind of had an upset stomach in the evening and I didn't really think much of it. So I went to bed and at some point in the night, I woke up and, and I had to vomit. So I went to the bathroom and I had vomiting and diarrhea. I had a big session of that. And, and when it was over, I was fine. And I thought, well, whatever I ate, I must have gotten it all out and I'll be fine now because I really felt totally fine. So I went back to bed. And then I woke up, it was probably, I don't remember exactly, maybe an hour and a half, two hours later, and repeated the entire process again. And what was interesting is versus food poisoning, when you have an upset stomach and you might still feel a little sickly afterwards, I didn't. I felt totally normal after I would get done with these episodes. So that went on all night long. And I got up in the morning again for another episode that was coming on. And I really felt dehydrated and I must have looked poorly because he wanted to stay home. And I said, no, just go to work. I'll be fine. And so I sent him on and the kids were getting ready for school. And I went into the bathroom and I kind of stumbled on my way to the bathroom. I thought, oh man, I really am dehydrated. So I got to the bathroom and as I was sitting on the toilet, the stroke happened. All of a sudden my arm curled up into a fetal position. My leg collapsed. I fell off the toilet and that was it. It was really stunning. And I sort of knew I was conscious the whole time. I sort of knew I'm having a stroke. It was really remarkable. I was able to speak well enough. Our son had already left for school by this time. And our daughter was still at home getting ready for school. She took the bus. And so I I told her at first to call her dad and tell him to come back home that I really was pretty sick. And then after I fell off the toilet, she heard me luckily, but she didn't see me because the door was closed. I was able to tell her to call 911. The ambulance came and about the same time that my husband got home. So I was able to get help within about 20 minutes or so. By that time, I started going in and out of consciousness. I was just laying on the floor. They had to haul me out in a gurney <laughs> and take me to the hospital. And, and, then, and then I was in and out and I just remember snippets. I do remember laying there and having my pajamas cut off. And then I was out again. And then I really don't remember much until all of a sudden I was in a helicopter. <laughs> the EMT that was in the helicopter kept trying to get me to stay awake. Um, what they did is they airlifted me from Cheyenne, where I live, which is a medium-sized city, to the big hospital in Denver, Colorado, which is about an hour and a half distance in flight. They determined pretty quickly with the scan that I had a large bleed. It was not uh, an ischemic stroke. It was a hemorrhage. They just determined that it was, much, it was too much for our smaller hospital to handle. And the neurologist recommended to my husband that they airlift me to a larger hospital in Denver that could handle such a condition. I was in ICU, in and out of consciousness for about five or six days, I think. From what my husband tells me, they thought about doing surgery, but the bleed stopped on its own. So they decided to eventually just let, I had about a, ended up with about 11 centimeter pool of blood in the top of my head. It was a subarachnoid hemorrhage. It started in the motor cortex right in the middle of my brain and flowed upward. And so I had all that blood sitting there. 
And they decided to let my brain resorb it because the bleed had stopped on its own. So I was really lucky in that way that I didn't have to have any kind of invasive surgery to uh, drain the drain the blood. I have a lot of memories once I was better consciousness in the hospital. <laughs> Just a lot of um, some family drama, of course. That's what happens when people are stressed out. Not with our family, but with some extended family. And um, they're all just very worried about me because, you know, I was so young. This doesn't happen to young people, of course, is the, is the mindset. I do remember getting PT. I couldn't move anything on my left side. My, so I had complete hemiparesis on my left side, um, leg, arm, even the left side of my face, nothing worked. And so it was really just, I couldn't even sit up or do anything. They really just had to help me with every task. And even sitting up for the first couple of weeks would just make me terribly dizzy. So it was sort of a gradual process to get me sitting up and moving again. Denise was in hospital in Denver for two weeks before being sent back home for more treatment. I was in an acute rehab unit getting intense physical and occupational therapy for another two weeks, I believe, until I was able to walk. I was in a wheelchair Pretty much until the time I got home, I really worked hard to to be able to use a walker to come home. I was a little nervous just because all of a sudden to go back to that busy, busy lifestyle. Of course, my business was on hold, but two teenagers that are busy with activities and school and pets and a husband and, and I wanted to go home desperately, but I was a little nervous. Yeah, I had in-home physical therapy for a good month after I came home, where they came directly to me. And then by that time, I was walking pretty well and getting, getting along. My husband had to help me with a lot at first. He had to help take me to the bathroom and everything. As I progressed, I was able to start driving again after a few months. Then I still did physical therapy. I, I went off-site for physical therapy, and I probably was did that for another year. I really didn't feel like I was back to my physical self for a year, maybe a year and a half. And I haven't completely been able to, like, I can't ride my bike anymore because my balance is just too compromised. I really don't have anything to complain about. Most people, when they meet me, they they cannot tell physically that I've had that kind of brain trauma. Denise's previously healthy and active lifestyle helped during her physical recovery. My muscle memory was still intact. And so once my brain started to make those connections again, it was very quick to get my movement back. So that's something that I like to stress to people, other survivors and other people, even people just getting older, just stay in good shape. It's to benefit you in so many ways. And if something does happen, God forbid, you just have that muscle memory and that fitness already there to help you recover. A lot of balance activities, so even standing on a ball or standing on you know, standing on the exercise ball or the physio, they all have those uh, such good equipment. Even just standing on one leg or standing on two legs with my eyes closed, that was really difficult at first. And now it's gotten better with more practice. And I've discovered that the more I do something, it's difficult at first and then it becomes easier, obviously. I think that's probably the case with most people, but it's just a matter of being tenacious. Denise was a fit and healthy long-distance cyclist with a thriving business, but all of that had to be put on hold after her stroke. Coming up in Stroke Stories, Denise on taking a break from work. 
it took me a good year to sort of recover from having worked, <laughs> if that makes any sense. It just took such a toll on me. So I have been starting to feel better in the last few months and more rested and just getting more physical again and trying to take care of myself better. And the help and support she received during her recovery. You know, it's been the, the support of my family and the support of family and friends. And honestly, my faith too. I've always had a strong faith life. And so I've had that to turn to, to kind of keep myself focused. Let's hear how the stroke affected Denise's emotional well-being. That's actually taken longer for me to resolve. And I don't know if it's fully resolved, but I did have a little bit of aphasia. And I, I do, I struggle a little bit to find words, especially if I'm a little bit nervous. That's something I still struggle with. But the emotional part took me longer to realize. I did go back to work. I took a job full-time for about three years. And it took a horrible toll on me. I suffered from depression, anxiety, and the stress was causing me physical illness. And it was a little humbling to realize that I do, I do still have the skills and the knowledge and the artistic creativity that I've always had, but I just can't handle the, the stress like I used to be able to. And so it's been rather humbling kind of coming to terms with my new self, as it were. I thought I was ready. I had been really working hard physically and I felt good. I was rested. I, th I thought I was ready. So the fact that I, that I wasn't or that I wasn't over time able to handle it was, was really the, kind of the surprise of the situation. I am taking a step back. I guess people ask me if I'm retired and I say, well, I think I'm too young for that. But I guess I am kind of retired and I'm really blessed that we're in a, a financial situation where I can do that. My husband retired early as well. It took me a good year to sort of recover from having worked, <laughs> if that makes any sense. It just took such a toll on me. So I have been starting to feel better in the last few months and more rested and just getting more physical again and trying to take care of myself better. It took several years for Denise to come to terms with her stroke. I spent a lot of time wondering the first few years why it happened to me. And not so much not so much like why, oh, poor me or anything like that. It was just like, well, this happened, so now what do I do with it? What does God want me to do with this? I don't know if I have the answer to that, but I'm I'm more at peace with with who I am now. It's just something that that happened. It's it's changed me in many ways. It's changed our family, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just a it's a different course that I'm, and it's okay. I don't think my personality or anything has changed too much, but it, it has changed how I look at life and how I approach each day for sure. You know, it's been the the support of my family and the support of family and friends, and honestly, my faith too. I've always had a strong faith life, and so I've had that to turn to to kind of keep myself focused and just the support and love from, from family and friends that, that understand in their own way, although they haven't had a stroke, but they, they understand the struggle that I'm going through or that I have gone through. That's invaluable. And I, I hope that other stroke survivors have that kind of support too from, from those around them. Denise thinks if you're a caregiver or a loved one of a stroke survivor, you should make sure you take time out for yourself. Just seeing my what my husband went through taking care of me, 
and taking care of our children and working full time, the caregivers are often looked over. And in some ways, I think they have it harder than the stroke victims. There's just so much to balance and so much a shift from, from being a spouse or a significant other to all of a sudden being a caregiver. There's a really big difference. The gist of what I'm trying to say is, is for the caregivers to take care of themselves as well. It's just really important. And my advice for stroke survivors would be to do everything you can to stay physically fit and active. The more active you are, the more you're using your brain, playing word games, doing physio, whatever it is that your deficiencies might be, work on those every day and don't ever give up. Keep moving forward. That's my motto is keep moving forward. Denise's stroke has meant she's had to take a long break from work, but she's looking forward to spending more time traveling the country with her husband. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. So I did, I did the scan. The doctors saw a big cavernoma in my brainstem. So it already did uh, bleeding. So I uh, hospitalized immediately. I actually was in the hospital and I need uh, to do immediately an operation. But the surgeon wasn't at the hospital at the moment. He was in another town. Please do subscribe and rate and comment on the Stroke Stories episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,